Welcome to Cutthroat Queens Podcast, the place where the bones of all those dissolved by the blob come in search of love. We're here to take an open and honest look at indie horror. My name is Brett Mitchell-Kent. I'm joined by Cupid's dapper gay uncle, Elton Skelter, and patient zero of the Tinder virus, Chelsea Pumpkins. Happy um, Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh my God. Is it that time already? Broken hearts day already. It is. My heart isn't broken. I, I'm full of love. Yeah, everyone else is except me. Let's just move on from this right now. (laughs) We are joined today by the magnificent Ruth Anna Evans. Uh, Ruth Anna is a writer of short horror fiction who lives in the heart of all that is sinister, the American Midwest. She has been composing prose of all types since childhood, but finds something truly delightful in putting her nightmares on the page. Her stories are full of twists and turns with relatable protagonists and startling endings. Her fiction is sometimes dreadfully dark and no one is safe. Other times her fiction is from a more fun side of horror with little people cutting off body parts as a favor. Ruth Anna has a collection, No One Can Help You, Tales of Lost Children and Other Nightmares, a novella and many novelettes and short stories available on Amazon. We will link them all below, but welcome Ruth Anna to the show. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're most welcome. We've been very excited about this this episode. Me too. So if you couldn't tell... We are doing a fun and unique, not at all played out Valentine's Day episode. (laughs) (laughs) So um, a lot of this is going to be mostly just visiting with Ruth Anna and some of the cool things that she has coming up and uh, a specific anthology. But we are going to end everything off with a fun little Valentine's Day themed reading. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But the... highlight of today is having Ruthanna here and we know that you are really excited about getting ooze out the door so can you tell us give us a little summary of what ooze is all about sure um so ooze is a 21 story collection of short body horror fiction um it's disgusting and delightful and was so much fun to put together um it started off actually as a chat book idea I just planned on having 10 authors with 1,000-word stories and just pop that baby out. But the stories I started getting in were just so good. I had to make it bigger. Um, so it's about a novella length now uh, with the 21 authors. And the stories range from about 800 words to about 2,400 words. So it's nice and short still. Little bursts. Little, Little bursts of body horror. I'm about to gush. Like I have, oh, I, I saw the whole route with this. I saw as soon as you posted that you were going to open it. I saw that you, you wanted to do a little chat book and you'd already invited a few of your favorite authors to it. What it's become from where you started is absolutely magnificent. Um, the stories you obviously were receiving were just so different and so versatile and so just incredibly, they melded together perfectly and the, and the TOC oh, you've created you. is absolutely fantastic so I just I want you to be commended I love this book I'm oh, just thank you so much. <laughs> wow I love it too and I really appreciate that yeah so uh, we were we were lucky enough to get to take a look at it and I think that there are like Elton said just so many different facets to it I I personally I really loved the was it Lena Ng? Am I saying that name mm. right? I'm I, terrible with I names. I think it's Eng. <laughs> Eng. But I'm so not Lena sure. Ng's I did look it story up. Story in there <laughs> was amazing, and um, and then yours as well. Actually, Ruthanna was really great. So, looking at at how versatile it was, uh, what prompted you to make the leap from you know we we all know that you have quite a bit of work out there. What made you want to go from publishing? your own work to pulling together this chat book that evolved into just a full novella antho. So it was sort of an immediate thing that happened. Um, I had, uh, I was wrapping up a novella that I was writing a haunted house novella and sort of 
in between projects, which is when I'm just kind of let the ideas come. I don't allow any ideas in when I'm working on a project. So I was ready for an idea. Um, and I had uh, just uh, come off of a brief bipolar episode when what had happened is I was just like creating art, 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 left and right. And um, as a way of coping. And one of the pieces that I created was um, really body horror. And I was like, I can't just walk away from this element in my psyche of body horror. And I'd already done several uh, medical body horror stories myself. And I just wanted to see what other people could do um, and go outside of my area. And then I was like, oh, short body horror, because that's what I wanted to read was short body horror. And I was like, well, why not? I figured I'd keep it small. I'd keep it easy. Just pop it together, you know, stick it out there. And then it just sort of grew and grew and grew. And now I'm all the way to an anthology. And a very, very exceptional one at that. You've got some really big names in there as well. You've got um, a Judith Sonnet and Roland yeah. Bursey Jr. Uh, like, It was so kind name. of them. Yeah. Um, Their stories are wild. Yeah, I, I can't get Judith out of my head. Some of the language she uses is, is traumatizing, <laughs> uh, to say the least. Uh, I think I had a dream uh, about that see, last night. <laughs> did you see my content warning for Judith's? Just everything about it is disgusting. Don't read this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely disgusting and obscene. <laughs> like, I, I actually really appreciated the the content warnings in the front. I think that that's... A, a way that horror is moving and I hope that the momentum stays up and we can get a little bit more of those because I want to be able to read an anthology, but know what I'm getting into. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's really, really important to let, you know, as creators to let people know upfront what we're putting out there. So if there's something that doesn't gel with them in individual stories, they know to skip that one and can still enjoy the volume as it is. Um, and I think that's just, that's really important. So it was, it was really, really cool to see a really nice, Sort of content warning page up front as well. A lot of times it gets, it's hidden in the back, but for this one it was it was just right up front and right yeah, there. For I you. appreciate that too. There, there's sometimes I don't read an anthology because I'm not sure what's going to be in it. I don't have a lot of triggers. There's just a few things that I'd rather not read. Um, so uh, yeah, I just do it because I I want it for myself. Now I'm slinking in shame because I put them in the back of my anthology. Oh why my couldn't God, we have sorry. this? Why couldn't we have this discussion like a month ago? <laughs> well, I'm sure you put the page number in the table of contents. I did. I did. Yeah, it, and it's that's the interesting thing too is like when I was putting that together, I was I was just looking at other books I had on my shelf to see how it was done, and so it's it's nice that it's getting more normalized and um, used wider, and like it'll give creators more of a look at how they want it to go to. So anyway, mm -hmm. very cool. <laughs> and I think it's just yeah. a blanket statement at this point, just to say, fuck you to people who don't think that they're necessary or think that they're worthwhile. They are necessary because when you read something that you, you want to love, you want to come from a place of excitement about it. You want to really enjoy that. And so mm -hmm. a content warning lets you pick out the things. It lets you curate your own reading list. And mm -hmm. so for anyone who's saying that they're not necessary or they're not valuable, I would beg you to reassess your opinion and yeah. try not to swear at you again. Sorry. I, was, I know. I was like, let's see where this is going. <laughs> Tell them to yeet themselves off a cliff. I'm very passionate. I can't <laughs> this was your first time editing, right, Rosanna? An anthology? Yes. Do I have it that right? It is my okay. first time editing an anthology. All right. What is your overall, like, what's the vibe? Do you, are you have you had a lot of fun? Has it been harder than you thought? What's your experience like? It, it was really fun. I, um, I did most of the work in two weeks because wow. I had Christmas break from school. So I just was at my kitchen table with my computer nonstop for two weeks and the body horror I stuffed in my brain <laughs> in that amount of time. <laughs> I am a changed woman. <laughs> <Let me tell laughs> <you. Yeah. laughs> and, I mean, people are really afraid of things crawling around under their skin. Let me tell you, they are, yeah, they do not like that idea. And there's a few other things that I was like, wow, this is, this isn't a fear I had before, but it's a, it's a fear I have now because yeah. you just, it gets, body horror gets in your head. So I don't know that I would love to edit any anthology or any type of work, but because I had picked something that I was 
currently like really interested in reading, it was a lot of fun. And That's really such cool. a quick turnaround as well. Two weeks to get all of that together is so impressive. Well, not let's see. So what happened in that two weeks was uh, well, uh, two weeks prior to that, I put out the call, um, and then I had about three weeks where the stories were coming in. So I was just reading that whole time, accepting some here, there, putting some in the maybe pile, um, and then I edited as I went. I made the art as I went. Um, so by the end of Christmas break, I had art for everybody, headshots from everybody, bios from everybody and everybody picked. So now I can just like get the book out. Okay. You're a tour de force and you yeah. need to do this like all the time because this is so good. <laughs> Someone like, pay me. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's the hard part. Yeah. Someone hire me because yeah, right now I'm, I'm paying to do this. Okay. So. T- to be honest, I'm so impressed by this book that next time you want to do this, just let us know and we will do a huge like go fund me and we'll, we'll just get you the money for it because this is so oh, impressive. Yeah. Well, hey, thank I do you. have to Absolutely. echo that. Um, it is so crisp and clean to be told that this is just like a few week project. I I'm a little floored by it because it, it doesn't read in that way in any capacity. I, I mean, it, I didn't find a single error in it. No, and, neither and I mean, did I. Typically, I'm no so matter impressed. how far, how many people see it, you'll find something, but I, I didn't see anything that would cause me to question it at all. I very, very impressive. Thank you very much. I had help. I definitely had help. Um, Brandon Applegate with Hungry Shadow Press, he did the formatting. Um, and then he gave me a lot of really important advice early on in the process. Um, and then Tasha Reynolds, um, she did proofreading for me. So a lot of the you know little things that might have snuck in uh, she helped keep those out. Um, and she did that on trade too. So I, I'm in love with it. I just want to eat it. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, it, it takes a village to make a oozy little baby. So <laughs> it's, it's good to see that help. And it opens um, with an oozy little baby. My God. that I read that, yes. I read that opener. Oh God. In bed, like falling asleep because, you know, us horror fanatics are like, let me read uh-huh. the most horrific thing I can imagine. And then drift off. Um, and I was just like, oh. so good though. <laughs> In the best way. <laughs> yeah. There were so many I wanted to start with, but that one, it was just so short. And so like straight to your, like straight to your heart. And it really set the um, tone, didn't it? It just, yeah, it was set perfect a tone. Cassandra is, she is a talented lady and she um, does not have that much work out there right now, but I can't wait to see what she does next because that story, everybody who's read this anthology has mentioned that story. It quite literally like, reaches out and grabs you and pulls you in like so it's like such a cool starter like that and i mean it it is the whole theme of the anthology like it it perfectly encapsulates the entire pitch that you you know you you sold us on this idea and then the first story is that idea it's it's really perfect um so do you foresee yourself ruth anna uh, editing more projects at all um yeah, I think that it could happen. Uh, it depends on um, my personal projects, but I'm going to be doing this for a long time. So I don't imagine that I won't have a space where it's like, okay, it's time to do something new, but it's it will have to be the right idea because there's no way I can read that amount of stories unless it is exactly what I want to read at exactly that moment um, because I'm not a person who can force myself through books at all. Um, so it'll be short and it'll be a really cool idea and then it'll happen quickly. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I think like once people get their hands on this, they'll want to see, see more of your curation because it's very skillful. And yeah. I mean, just you talking about the process and how organized and um, expedient you were. Very, very cool. The spreadsheet is big. It is a big spreadsheet. <laughs> Oh goodness, that was red. I love a spreadsheet. <laughs> uh, so Chelsea has given Elton and myself both like post-traumatic spreadsheet disorder because it's just every oh, no. single thing is well, did you put it on the spreadsheet? Did you put it on the spreadsheet? Is it on the list? Put it in the document, put it in the show notes. Let's go. And yeah, nothing gets by her. She is a every, real taskmaster. <laughs> every team needs one, okay. Every team um, needs one. Absolutely. It's always me too. I'm always the one. 
Um, we actually have a very unique opportunity here because this anthology, you know, we have the editor here with Ruth Anna. Um, we have Miss Chelsea Pumpkins, who has a story in this anthology. And then you also have Elton and myself, who did submit to the anthology, and we were rejected. So we are very pro-rejection here. We love a good rejection and <laughs> you give good rejection. I, it, it actually was a whole topic when we were chatting about how collaborative and friendly your rejection was for both of us. We both had, you know, you didn't know that we were connected yet. Yeah. <laughs> you both, the, the rejections no, no. were great for both of us. I actually ended up taking your notes and, you know, warping it into a full different scenario than what it was before. Wow much better story from that i would love to read it oh definitely so so you gave out these great rejections did you go in knowing that you were going to be collaborative and give those notes or was it just a natural process i have not done that much submitting myself so um because i've just been mostly self-publishing from the very beginning so when i started getting these works and they were so good i couldn't just say no and let it go at that you know I felt like I had to had to give some sort of like this story really is great um there's just some reason that I'm not picking it right now at this moment for this exact project and I think as someone who had submitted a little bit been rejected a little bit gotten a little bit of work out there I thought that when my stories were rejected it's because they weren't good enough I really deeply thought that it's just this story wasn't good enough other stories were better that's why it's not in there and that's just not true that is not true there there are stories that were rejected that still live in my head there was this one story i don't know who wrote it but a girl got a pimple and through the course of the story she turned into a pimple and at the end of the story oh she God. was a pimple and i mean what a great fantastic story but at the moment that I read it, I was looking for a little bit more character and plot. And so that doesn't mean it wasn't a good story. You know what I mean? Like, and it could have had a great home, but I was looking for more character and plot. That uh, I might have been looking for something that was just a quick snapshot, and then I would have picked that story. So, you know, it was the same thing uh, with both of your stories and why you got that feedback. They were They were exceptional stories. Um, it was just at the moment I was looking for something a little bit different. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate feedback from that as well. It did make me realize that there was a, a missing element of depth to the story that I, I did. And, and, and though I haven't revisited that story right now, it did take me through to my next story where I thought more about that process as I was writing it. So it was, it was really oh. valuable information for me to receive in such a okay. kind way. And that's why we love you. Oh, well, that's awesome. And I don't want to spoil the end of that story because it will be published someday. But I will tell you, I loved the end uh, of that story. It was not where I thought it was going. Um, and it was it was ewe gooey. So, yeah, very nice. <laughs> yeah, I've not, I've not so. done a lot of body horror before, but that, that was that was my first try. And it's uh, it's a work in progress. I'll finish it one day. But um, it does need that there's a layer missing from it, like like an onion with the middle missing. It's just not quite there yet i don't know i just really love this conversation and it's so rare that somebody who got a rejection gets to talk to the editor who gave it to them and also like kudos to you i don't think every editor would want to like be face to face with someone they had to reject because yeah. it could be really awkward <laughs> um not so. with you guys you are like the least <laughs> awkward people so Aww, i don't believe you but i appreciate it <laughs> I had plans um, beforehand to just give you a really hard time and just be like, Ruth, Anna, why did you do this to me? You ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's no. what you're really thinking. So. No, it's not at all. No, no. We, we appreciate you massively for coming on here and, and actually talking to us about this because the, the, the point of this is to normalize rejection because like you say, sometimes it just doesn't fit in that moment or in that yeah. particular anthology. I was going to say... Um, Sometimes it does fit and it's a, it would be great, but there's something else that's also the same sort of fit and you kind of just have to flip a coin a little bit. Um, and so you like ask here, you give it to a friend, Hey, read these two stories. What do you, which one do you like better? Um, so 
uh, Brett, that was kind of a situation with your story um, where yours was kind of neck and neck with another one that had um, a lot of the, like the stories were very different, but it it hit a lot of the same marks um, was the other story. And so I had to like, I wrestled with it for quite some time. Um, And uh, yeah. And then that change that you uh, suggested at the end, when you came back to me at the very end, you were like, what if I did this? I was like, Oh yes. (laughs) What if you had done that? (laughs) So that's actually similar to how I went with it. I, I did something similar, but instead of that, it was acid. um, Uh And it, so I, it just, I really enjoy how it worked out. So every story I've read so far is fantastic. So whichever one beat mine, served it. <laughs> just, I was going to say, have you, have you gotten to it yet, Brett? Have you recognized it? And you can be like, I'll cut you. <laughs> I, I didn't know the information before, but I tend to reread. So uh, in my next playthrough this one, I'll hit it. And then you'll cut her, <laughs> you'll cut her up. I'll throw a fit. It's a little Take the <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I just love, like, it's so easy to, especially writers, like can often be a little, introspective and maybe a little isolated Mm. at times and for a rejection to come back and sometimes the piece has like really personal elements that like no one else would know are close to your heart right so sometimes a rejection does sting but I think it's like super helpful to hear from the people in the seat that it's like it's not you (laughs) it's not you it's me (laughs) I mean some stories you could tell um you know, not not all stories. Some stories were definitely like I read it, and this is not what I asked for. So, you yeah. know, you definitely do get those. Or there are some stories that, you know, I said this was a hard sell, and they tried anyway, and it was a hard sell. Yeah. So, um, always read the guidelines, guys. Yeah, Come always read the guidelines, and you know, if there's a, if there's a length requirement, even though mine was more of a soft length requirement than some, um, I did put in there, you know, I prefer shorter. And there are some people that went like long with their stories and not only, um, was a word count like on the higher end, but it felt like they hadn't done the cutting, um, to make it a little burst. And so that was a reason for some rejections of some otherwise really quality stories it was that they hadn't focused on the idea okay this is a little burst story mm. okay so where can we buy this when it when it's available it's available on the first of march is that right yes it'll be dropping on the first of march uh on amazon and then i'm also going to be doing the ingram process so hopefully get it into some bookstores um i'm trying not to put too much pressure on myself to get that done at the same time as i do the amazon thing so it'll be sometime shortly thereafter that it'll be available to purchase um for bookstores but yeah march 1st right around the corner and Very it's cool. available now for pre-order as well. We will link that in the in the notes accompanying the episode so you guys can pick it up beforehand and yeah. um, just really enjoy this amazing piece of literature. It's fantastic. I cannot recommend it enough. Thank you so much. I think I saw on Twitter um, that you structured the, the paperback to be like a really tiny, like mass market size too, to kind of fit the theme. Am I remembering that correctly? Uh-huh. Yep. It is going to be mass market size. So I can't um, wait. Four inches wide, I think. Four inches, four by six, something like that. Um, so oh, I'm going to so buy perfect. seven I of need- them. I'm going to buy them all. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Side. And I'm, I will be ordering a few to like sign and that kind of thing, but that's going to be a really small number because mailing them is an absolute pain in the butt. So <laughs> I'm not going to be doing very many of those, but there will be a few mm-hmm. available um, signed copies at the beginning. And I'll probably do a, some giveaways of some signed copies um, cool. as well. So Let us know uh, and we'll yeah, uh, spread the word. Yeah, yeah, we are always willing for a good retweet or or just a big shout out for people that we we admire. And you are high up on our list of people we admire. Oh, yeah. And this is awesome. so good. Um, it's going to be like the cutest, most disgusting book ever. I'm really, I can't wait to just hold it in my hands. <laughs> I mean, the the cover cover is like cysts. It's like bright Mm. pink cysts. And that was such a fun cover to make um, because I was just like Googling like medical textbooks or medical drawings, medical art of like disgusting body disfigurements. And, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) 
<laughs> gross thing and it, the, some really gross things can happen to the human body oh, in yeah. the course of natural <laughs> events and i'm just like looking there and, and when i saw you know i saw the cysts and like the um i think they were like sliced up tumors or stuff something uh, that ended uh, up on the cover i'm like I'm oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> give me more it's not an episode if we don't send chelsea googling <laughs> I know. Now I'm like, I need to look at it again. Oh, I've seen um, some horrifying things like that in my time. <laughs> I have seen yeah, some gross things. So Ruth, Anna, you do a lot of different book covers. And I know that you mentioned earlier that um, you went through like a design phase during a bipolar episode. So how do you crank them out so quickly? Because um, you, you make quite a few covers and they're all look, they look great. So oh, thanks. I do covers to relax. That's kind of like when I'm in that zone is a really happy place for me. Um, So it's not like work um, per se. So I think that's one of the reasons the turnaround on them is so fast. Plus I have um, my daughter who helps me a lot in terms of like, I've always got somebody who will run over and give me feedback. And I think that's one of the hard things about covers is like, you've got to have that constant feedback of does this look good how's this font and you know what about that placement and then you know is this change a good change and that kind of thing um and so uh with her help she's she's only 13 but she has got a future in the arts for sure because I've, i've got that second set of eyes for me that i think is one of the reasons that i'm able to do these so quickly um and then, like I said, I just do them in the zone. Now, some of them do not. Huh, the um, No One Can Help You cover <laughs> took me weeks um, just because it was such a simple cover. Um, it was, you know, the child's coffin in black and white on the sea of blood red. I'm looking um, at it right now. <laughs> yeah, Googling it. It was <laughs> such a such a simple cover, so everything oh, about wow. it had to be perfect. And I was and I was a lot newer to um, the tools of Photoshop Photoshop at that point. Um, so it's been a huge learning process. And then um, uh, NW Reader uh, Christina from Trueborn Designs, she's sort of been mentoring me in terms of like learning how to do Photoshop and what looks good and like okay, so what next step do I need to take as an artist in order to polish my covers up a little bit more and that kind of thing. And I just cannot thank her enough. So that's one of the reasons that I've got um, gotten better at covers as well. Um, but they're not all good. So like I just released um, a short story, uh, Accidental Death, and it's the first cover. It's amazing. I read it earlier and it's so Thanks. good. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. And I just, I felt like the the first cover just kind of tanked on that one. And it, I don't feel like it did justice to it. Um, and I released it before I should have. And so I just did a new one. So that's the, that's the amazing part of being able to do your own covers and being willing to try to do your own covers is that if you screw one up, just do it again. Just try again. And the new cover awesome. for that story is amazing. It really captures I really that like one it. pinnacle so in the story where where it just keeps going back to and i love that i loved it completely and my my kindle updated this morning with the new cover and oh good uh, oh yes very good is oh, this so the glad. new one that i'm looking at now with the the yellow and the car red? it yeah. has a car okay yeah that's beautiful thank beautiful. you i love it i i was looking at it thinking maybe i had an update and i'm well i don't see any problem with it <laughs> 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 the first one, I didn't realize it, but apparently it's very similar to some that have like religious references. Um, so it had like a spiritual kind of vibe to it that I hadn't really thought about because I'm not, you know, particularly spiritual person, but like a, a bearded man in fire and like mm. it just was it was not hitting the right notes. Yeah, the, the so, story's um, much more sort of from a sort of quasi supernatural sort of perspective as opposed to a spiritual perspective. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it asks a lot of, from like sort of the moral quandary of what would you do and yeah. if your conscience could could handle it would you take something back for yourself when it requires the sacrifice of someone else i'm not going to give the story away because it's a fantastic story we're going to link that below as well you have to read this story it's available on kindle unlimited am i right it yeah. is it's it on looks, KU. Oh, sorry yes i was and reading it's, it it's, it's so good <laughs> so so good Thank you. Yeah, and it's 99 cents otherwise. Am I correct in understanding that you do offer cover design, like you do pre-formatted, pre-done covers, 
that you offer mm-hmm. up on Twitter? Uh, yeah, I've got some pre-mades on my website and then I post them on Twitter sometimes when I'm going through a, like after work, I sit down and have a glass of wine, I make a cover. So if you have a short story idea and you send it to me, I can pop out a cover for you. Um, and if you don't like it, that's okay. Cause it took me, you know, one evening and I enjoyed making it. Um, but so yeah, my website, um, ruthannaevans.com. I've got a cover design page on there. It's got all my pre-mades and then what I charge for making custom. Um, and then if you already have like a cover, but you want to turn it into a wrap, uh, I do know how to make a wrap for cool. Amazon and that kind of thing. So I, I'll do that for like 15 bucks. What I love is that you give this much attention and care and creativity to short stories. Like that is something you don't see often. I think a lot of times people don't think like you need a cover for a short story. And we, the three of us were kind of talking in advance. Like um, I forget one of us had heard that you consider five, is it 5,000 words publishable or whatever? And I was just curious, like if you could talk about your perspective on that, because I really admire it. Well, I don't see why not. I mean, people like to read short stories and why wait until you have enough for an anthology to let someone read what you've written? Like, if you love it and you think they'll love it and it doesn't, you know, if you're willing to try to make your own cover art or get it or trade with a friend for it or something like that, why not? It's really not that difficult to put something up on um, Amazon. And, but you, I mean, it has to be clean. That's the thing about publishing short stories that short, like it really, you need to make sure that you don't have a lot of typos. You you're used a formatting software. You're not just throwing a word document up there. Um, but if you're willing to um, make a professional piece, I don't think it matters that it's short. People like to read short stories. It's not going to do as well as if finding like, you're not going to make money um, on short stories. You, you, you'll make, in the tens of dollars, especially maybe. on Amazon when they take all yeah. of your money for doing it. Yeah. You, you are, you're not making money on short stories. So if that's your goal, um, wait, do the anthology, do the three month marketing push, um, do all of the things. But if your goal is to be read um, and to have an engaged audience and to give the people who read you something to continue to read, then yeah, publishers short short stories. And then way too many amazing authors have piles of short stories, edited, polished, sitting on their computer, getting rejection after rejection for these calls that get 500 submissions and pick 10 stories. And these could, we could be reading those. That's that, that. that's actually <laughs> my personal reason why I joined a lot of writing groups is because it's I feel like I get my own personal little collection, like a little library of all of this fiction that people to throw at me so that, yeah. you know, pretend to beta read. But that's the, the whole goal <laughs> of us as is not at all money. Obviously, we're indie fanatics. So that's yeah. exactly the example. Yeah, we're here to push out good fiction. So, yes. If you're doing good work, let people read your work. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I've definitely subscribed to like a few like sub stacks and newsletters and sometimes people publish that way. Um, how come, and if there's no real answer, it's fine, but what made you choose like the Amazon route versus like putting it on your website or something like that? Um, I, I do push out through newsletters. If it's, if it's less than five, five or 6,000 words, I like 6,000, um, but 5,000 words is my minimum. If it's only 5,000, I'll probably put like a mini, like a flash or something with it. Um, but I do cool. push out flash stories to my newsletter pretty regularly. Um, publishing to my website hasn't done anything at all. Okay. Like it's just been a flat line and I wouldn't have, you also don't get the feedback. That's the other reason I use Amazon is you get those reviews, you get that feedback and that really helps you keep writing when you, you know, you have somebody who cares that you're writing. Yeah, your your reviews are impeccable on a lot of your uh, on a lot of your work, and I'm just I'm really impressed by that. And you haven't always been writing horror, have you? you you're a recent convert in terms of yeah, not for very not for that long. I'd say pushing two years, um, not quite two years that I've been writing horror, and I actually haven't written fiction for very long either um i grew up a hardcore reader um 
but I never really had ideas to write fiction until I came to the idea of writing horror. And then once I realized that I could write about what scares me um, and those are ideas, it's just kind of not stopped since. So I'm, I'm just happy that my muse got activated <laughs> at some point. And yeah. then I plugged into this whole community of people who are, just amazing and supportive and helpful. And it's just turned into a whole big thing. And it's, it's just, it's so, so good to, to see you feel that supported as well. This is the kind of mm -hmm. thing we want from a community is just to be as supportive as possible to all the, all the people out there and in your work, it's incredibly impressive, but you do have sort of quite heavily lean into a topic of um, parenthood. Um, mm -hmm. and often sort of the, the loss of a child. Is, yeah. is there something that attracts you to writing about that from that kind of, that kind of point of view? Or? Um, I would say that is probably my greatest fear um, is losing my child. Um, and so, like I said, I write for my fears. I write for my real life fears and then I kind of escalate them and sometimes add a supernatural element. Um, but... Uh, accidental death is probably going to be the last one I do for a while with that perspective. It was one that was kind of hanging on after I finished the collection. Um, and I, it didn't get written for the collection and it kind of just wouldn't leave me alone until I wrote it. Um, so, but it, it is based in a real life fear and just, um, I'm, I'm not a doom and gloom person on the outside at all, but inside I'm always kind of like a little bit worst case scenario. So, you know, there can always be that car crash. There can always be that mistake that you make um, that you can never take back. Um, and so it sort of occupies a lot of my mental space, <laughs> but I think, I, can, I yeah. think I've gotten that out of my system. I think I've gotten the child loss. Um, out of my system. <laughs> I, it's very interesting that, that that's the, the reasoning for it because I, it, I kind of expected that that would be your answer. Mm -hmm. uh, it's my fear as well. I have my daughter yeah. and my greatest fear is losing her, but I take it in, in the opposite kind of way as yours. I, I know that you find it, I guess, cathartic to write mm -hmm. it out, to push those things out, but it sends me just into just all this anxiety. I'm working through it. I've been actually trying to read things where that is the focus. Uh, so it's very neat that our fears take us in different directions mm -hmm. where uh, you can find it cathartic to write it. Whereas I, I have that, that opposite reaction to it. And I think that's so neat. Yeah. I'm working through it though. I'm getting there. I can Exposure therapy. I want to take us a little bit of a step back, if that's okay, for a minute. Um, but throughout your answers today, you've mentioned community a bunch of times. And that's something I feel very strongly about, too, in the horror world. Like, I am also a new writer, um, like a couple of years now, I would consider that new. Um, and I, without the support of readers, like you were saying, like reviews mean so much. And then also, like, just people having different sort of skills and wisdom and knowledge have been super helpful to me. Um, so I wanted to know where you find your community. How do you find your people? Um, well, it's social media for me, really. Um, I feel like, you know, a lot of people may, may dog on Twitter, but if you use it right and you curate your feed and you connect with people that are positive people and don't connect with people who are not positive people, um, it's just like this, this lively, um, community of people who love books and love talking about books and love writing and talking about writing and love art and love talking about art. And I, I can't think of anything better than that. Um, and then they just, you know, there's, there's cheerleaders, you know, on there who, you know, and I've made some really close friends that we talk on a daily basis um, that I wouldn't otherwise have. And so that's been amazing. And then Facebook has a really thriving, um, horror community as well. And I know that a lot of people on Twitter don't know that, but there is, um, there is a thriving horror community on Facebook, a lot of really great people. Um, there's books of horror, which is a massive um, page of um, 
people who love horror and they allow you to self-promote if within reason. Um, and then, but they'll, they'll just promote each other's book or, you know, that like Judas on it, um, they've picked her up and just run with her and, you know, um, uh, you know, Roland Bercy Jr. is on there. And, you know, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of people on Facebook that have helped me with my craft. Uh, I would say, um, there's a lot of really good craft groups on there as well. So that Facebook is where I go for like my craft help and my, my, um, beta reading help and my, you know, if I need reviews for something and that kind of thing, uh, that side of it. And then Twitter is where I go for like people who just like the love fest, the horror, the horror love fest. (laughs) Mm. That's awesome. I was talking to a friend recently um, about ooze and about my story in it. Um, And I was saying like, I'm so happy. Thank you. (laughs) I was saying I'm so happy. I mean, an an acceptance in a public and a publishing always feels really good. But I was like, I'm so happy I end up here because I feel like I have a new friend. And that is the best. Like, just being able to chat with you back and forth. And I don't know, we all like craft talk and editing and beta reading too. So I think you can consider us part of your part of your community if you'll have us. We are the cheerleaders. We are the new cheerleaders (laughs) for Ruth and Evan. Absolutely. It's a whole big thing and I love it. Yeah. I I, I kind of find that Facebook's more of a, like um, sort of a stomping ground for more extreme horror and splatterpunk. Whereas Twitter tends to Mm. attract the more literary crowd. I actually, I agree with that. Um, The books of horror, actually, Rosanna, I, I think I've seen you on there. I'm in that group as well. They, Mm -hmm. they do bring forth a lot of really extreme horror and, I love it. <laughs> it's horror is meant to push boundaries. So mm-hmm. extreme horror is just that a facet of that. I know a lot of people don't yeah. understand it, but I guess once you desensitize enough to this piece, mm-hmm. you got to push it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then also if you're looking for a book recommendation, that is absolutely the place to go yes. because those people have read everything <laughs> and yes. it's, it's wild. I know I was looking for a, cold weather horror in the ocean. I wanted something cold and in the ocean. And wow. I got so many <laughs> recommendations that were just like dead on the nail. So if you, if you need a book recommendation and horror, you're going to get a hundred. It's wild. Wow. We're definitely going to link to books of horror Facebook group because that sounds yep. incredible. Oh, I left Facebook over the past few years because it was just draining my mental health, but this makes me want to rejoin so and get in these groups. Your wall. I know, I, I know, you really do. I was just, it was not good for me at the time, but I'm like, maybe I should just get back in for writing. Yeah, mine's just Judith Sonnet, uh, Extreme Horror, and uh, just memes all the way through. That's all it, all it Instead of just leaving fully, I left every single group that I was in except for Books of Horror, and mm-hmm. I just deleted almost all my friends except for like a few close friends and authors that I really like. And mm-hmm. I mean, Facebook is solid for me now. Yeah, wow. I, I made a, a special page uh, for Ruth Anna Evans and just made horror friends only on there and followed um, horror book groups only on there. And there's no politics. There's no mm-hmm. annoying means memes. And then the the first time somebody put something out there that I don't enjoy, I just we're not friends anymore. And that's fine. That's, too. Yeah, that's they'll never bother me again. So it's really <laughs> Mute- easy to block them off. <laughs> all right you all are inspiring me i'll consider it <laughs> facebook is missing a chelsea pumpkins page you'll be my get first board. friend sorry i made this about me <laughs> I didn't about mean to. You, <laughs> let's make it about ruth again <laughs> ruth anna sorry <laughs> that's totally okay <laughs> My Valentine to the smoke and wine as you walk away from me. I hope you're happy now. now I think I think it's time for the readings because I'm yeah. I'm desperate to hear Ruth Anna read that story out loud. Yeah. It, it, there, there's I'm something practiced. there's something very very different about hearing an author read their story in their voice. And I read the story and and I thought it was wonderful, but I just I have a feeling that I'm going to get more of an attachment to it when you read it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get into that, Ruthanna, is there anything else you wanted to like let the public know? We'll we'll do your socials at the end, um, or like the where to find you. But is there any other topic you wanted to talk about, or a story you wanted to plug? 
I want to thank everybody who submitted for ooze because that was a crazy cool experience. Um, and I got some really great work and the time and effort that it takes to submit following guidelines um, is a lot. And, you know, almost everything that I got followed the, the guidelines and was cleanly formatted. And, you know, the, it was, it was perfect. It was perfect. And you guys did a great job, everybody who submitted. So uh, mm-hmm. I just want to thank everyone for making it such a great book. Well, thanks for making it a great experience all around. You're doing great. Nice big group hug. <laughs> just big group hug to the world right now. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. And with that, Let's do a little round robin of reading. So Ruth, Anna, we're going to have you go first. And if you could just give the title of your piece and if it's published somewhere else that you want to mention, go for that. And once you're done, we'll probably ask questions and gush over you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So this is Persia and the Mail, and it is not published anywhere. This was a newsletter giveaway. Um, so I, you asked me for a Valentine's Day story and I was, this, this is perfect. This is a perfect horror Valentine's Day story. So Prisaya um, is an octopus and that's pretty much all you need to know. All uh, right. Prisaya shrunk herself into the rock's crevice, whipping her tentacles in behind her and hoping that when she looked back out, the male would be gone. He had been hanging around for hours. Black stripes fluttered and flew across his skin while Prisaya matched the sand and rock around her, hoping he was dumb and would think she had disappeared, or smart and would realize she wasn't in the mood. He was neither, and approached again, his body stretched tall, flashing his signs. Her gills quivered in annoyance. He wasn't taking the hint. In a flash, she swept her body out and toward him. His hedicotalus darted toward her mantle, and she allowed him a quick dip in, then twisted and broke it off inside of her. It made a satisfying snap. He recoiled too late. Persia wrapped her tentacles around his body and attached her suckers to his skin. His alarm at her size and strength turned his skin a delicious reddish pink. He shuddered as she took the first bite. Hours later, his tentacles still wiggled satisfyingly in her stomach. She had been in the mood after all. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Very wrong. <laughs> it's so Perfect. good. Though. So cathartic. Like he got what he deserved. <laughs> he should have left like, her alone. <laughs> yes, God, not in the mood. <laughs> Stop telling women to smile, octopus. Jesus. <laughs> My husband read it and he was like, Are you trying to say something? <laughs> And I was like, honey, I promise it's just a story. (laughs) It's about octopuses. And that's really what happens. That's really what happens when octopuses have sex. Oh, my God. Yeah, the men do not make it through. Oh, yikes. Oh, my God, I didn't know that. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, actual research went into Prisaya in the mail. Isn't it funny the things you, as a writer, Google? Because I was talking to somebody recently, and I was like, you have no idea the most horrifying shit I have Googled. Like, I must be on so many lists. <laughs> oh, God, tell me about it. But I love, like, using that. I don't know. It was just using the octopus to tell that story was a really cool vehicle. And, like, I could, like, feel the, the like, <laughs> swishiness of it. I loved it. But it was also, like, really me too. Like, I love the fact that it was, like, a feminist piece as well. Like, it's not just, it's an allegory. And I love that. Or I'm reading yeah, too much into it. it but, like. I just, I love those stories that kind of take a completely different format or different species or a different space in time and and just tell you a story that could be so relevant to the world today. Yeah. Oh, I hear some pups. Whose pups are those? They're they're locked (laughs) up in as far away as I can get them, but they're going to bark. That's okay. They all love dogs. Everyone loves dogs. Well, all of us love dogs, but Chelsea loves them barking. I, I think it's cute that they want to be on the podcast. They're welcome. They are officially honorary queens. All right. They're pretty excited about that. So um, up next, we have Brett, and he is going to read us a drabble. And a drabble is an exactly 100-word story, for those of you who don't know. Um, 
I cannot speak for Ruth Anna, but you can let us know. But the three, the three of us queens have um, written and published a few drabbles ourselves. So we like, we like the art. We like the challenge of yeah. putting something into a hundred words. And uh, I hate it. It's too hard. I love drabbles. But you did it, and you did a great job. <laughs> I did, but I hate not having it. this argument with you again, Elton. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's trying to quit yep. drabbling, and I have we haven't drabbling. decided yet. I haven't right, written we'll one in a while. That. I need to get back into it. But all right, right. Title where <laughs> where we can find it and take it away. Yeah. So this one is actually it. You know, by the time this pub this podcast comes out this released on february 4th in love me or and love me not i think is from black oh, hair press geez. love me love me not you had black one hair <laughs> and i got it right the first time so <laughs> the, <laughs> this one i i actually have 10 drabbles in this collection coming out on or that came out on february 4th um this is one of them and it is the, the Love Me, Love Me Not is completely like love, romance, um, Valentine's Day horror. So that's, and this one is called Homemade with Love. Guiding her hand, we marked out the letters in washable marker. To Marcus, love Leslie. I swear, it brought a tear to her eye. Great job, I exclaimed. This is looking really neat. Now for the final touch. Carefully, I cut out the heart. It wasn't perfect, but that's what happens when you do homemade. After slathering the glue, we sprinkled glitter across it and the construction paper. I ran my hand down her cold cheek, leaving a smear of blood. Crafting gets messy sometimes. She didn't want to give me her heart this Valentine's Day, so I took it. Ooh. Ooh. Exactly 100 words. That's when she break on my back. <laughs> you put a lot in that 100 words. Nice. It's too hard. How did you do that? Like, I don't understand how people can put a story like more words for me is better. I love words and like to, to condense a story down to a hundred words. It's so impressive. I, I, I really awesome. love drabbling. So that's, I, I wrote you're the king of drabbles. One. You've got 10 drabbles in that anthology that's coming out. Haven't you? Yeah, I have 10 in that one, but wow. we're, we're awesome. Queens here though. So yeah, you're the queen of travels, actually, not the king. <laughs> queen of travels. Fuck the patriarchy. You're the queen of travels. <laughs> that was awesome. I loved the take on a Valentine, and it's perfect for our special. All right, Very Elton. special. Yes. Okay, so I can't stick to 100 words, so mine's a bit longer. Um, but it's, it's not also about romance as such. It's more self-acceptance. Um, this piece is called Glasgow Grin. It is unpublished anywhere else, and um, I'm reading it because I didn't have time to write anything original. So sorry. It's not as funny as it sounds, not the way I tell it, but to hear me speak about it, you'd think it was a riot. It's different for different people, stroke victims, ALS, injury, Alzheimer's, or Parkinson's. For me, it's just good old-fashioned trauma, car accident, age date, loose grip on a rainy road in a car with my dad taking a corner while drunk, and now I'm different. Next thing you know, you're sitting front and center at your dad's funeral, and you're surrounded by all family members weeping for the loss. The car act didn't kill him, but the injuries eventually did. And for some reason, like some cosmic joke, all you can do is laugh. They call it pseudobulbular effect, or PBA, a neurological affliction which makes you prone to uncontrollable bursts of emotion, laughter, or tears. You have no control over it. It just is. Now it's part of your life and it's never going to change. One traumatic blow to the head and I'm a character of a villain in a comic book. I'm the punchline of a bare naked lady's song. Can't understand what I mean? You soon will. So I'm eight and I'm neurologically inclined to burst into hysterics at the smallest sadness. The tiniest chuckle turns into floods of tears or manic laughter. Mum decides it's best to homeschool me and for the next 10 years I'm sequestered safe and indoors. I'm just some kid with no friends for a decade. But you can't teach college from your mum's lounge. Can't learn from people who know better than you from the comfort of your dining room table. It's been long enough, so I head to college. Community college, because it's close and I'm not that smart since I was educated by a grieving widow who had no idea what to do with me. No campus housing, it's low-grade community college, so it's staying home nights and doing classes during the day. And mum says, be careful when I go. And sometimes I can't go because the smallest amount of human emotion can render me useless, reduce me to tears or have me pissing my pants laughing. 
but I go and I study writing and I write the kind of stories meant to make you cry or laugh or scream, the kind that are meant to make your emotions blow out of control over something so trivial. And I get friends and we hang out after class, group hangs, where I learn my limits, learn how to downplay and control the PBA. I learn that three drinks are my limit, vodka, beer, or wine. I learn that I can feel it coming on when the conversation changes. Learn that if the tone drops or rises too far, I have to go. If it's too jovial, I can't stay long. Anything bad happens, I have 10 minutes before I'm over or underreacting in a way to make people think I've lost my damn mind. I have a social life for the first time since I was a kid. It's incredible. Until it's not. With PBA, you can't get complacent, and one night I do. One night I have a fourth drink. It's okay, and I'm fine. And a fifth, and a sixth. And we're in a club, and we're dancing. It's dark, and the lights are down, and the music is too loud. I'm sweating, and I'm unhinged, but no one can hear me laugh in the dark. I can cry, and it doesn't matter. I wipe it away like sweat, and it's like being free. But I'm not free. And the laughing, and the strobe lights... I look around at all the people there enjoying what I should be able to enjoy living their lives. And this guy looks over and I'm laughing and I can't stop laughing, hysterical, way beyond my limits. And there are tears pouring out of my eyes. The music is so loud and the strobe lights are flickering and he's mad as hell. In the dark, he thinks I'm laughing at him. No one notices him push me into the corner. The beat drops and my back's against the wall, laughing my ass off because I've drunk too much and I'm about to get into my first fight ever. And this guy, he pins me to the wall and he's shouting these inaudible words at me. And I'm laughing, and laughing, and under the strobe lights, there's a glint of a knife and I'm laughing. He holds my hysterical mouth open and he slits open my cheek on the right side an inch. It's instant pain juxtaposed by a possessed laugh. Same on the left. It's a utility knife, so with the blood and the blade, everything tastes like copper pennies and I can't stop laughing. But as I laugh, the cuts in my cheek, they rip. Rip upwards, pull and tear, and this huge smile carves its way into my face permanently. It's dark, it's a corner, and no one can see me pinned by this guy, my mouth carved into a permanent grin. So now I have to stay home, and I cry more than I laugh. But it doesn't matter, because on my face I'm always caught in this crude laugh. And now I don't drink anymore. I stay away from social situations. I keep to myself. It's not funny. But I laugh. What else can I do? Damn. That was intense. <laughs> it was a very intense for a, hell- uh, yeah. for a Valentine's special story. That one Oof. gave me chills. It was really good, Elton. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. I, need, I need the words. And all of my words in that story were, and, I don't know if you noticed or not, I can't stop saying, and. It wasn't, it wasn't distracting to me. Yeah, whatever you did, it worked. Thanks. Mm-hmm. You're so good at voice, Elton, like after reading Fuck You, Mary Sue, and then having read some of your other stuff, um, you just really nail it. Oh, you're so sweet. I think I like you again now. I didn't. Oh, (laughs) now we're friends again. (laughs) We're always friends. You're my favorite. (laughs) You make me laugh and you make me cry, just like like your character. You You make me cringe a little bit. Always. I I literally, I was physically cringing when you were talking about the like the slitting the cheek thing yeah yeah ripping and that that is actually called a glasgow grin hence the name yeah it's a real thing big yikes yeah that's fun yeah wow therefore yeah chelsea valentine's day (laughs) happy valentine's day with love um chelsea you're up next what have you got for us okay i'm going to also read a drabble um so a nice little short one it is. It was also originally published by Black Hair Press in their Halloween-themed anthology called Nom Nom, um, and we'll link that nom, too. Nom, nom, um, nom. Black Hair Press is a great. Um, I don't know. They're just a great place. They are super supportive and into travel, so I really enjoy them. And this piece is called Float. It's a lovely night for a float on the river, don't you think? The cover of night bullfrogs crooning, just you and me. I gently lower you into the cool water. We don't make a splash, don't make a sound. Our secret rendezvous bubbles in my chest to my throat. I cover my giggle with your hand. Wading in behind you, I hold your waist against the current. I press my lips to yours and cherish our last moment together. Then I let you go. 
Your pale skin glows in the starlight as you float face down towards your ever after. The end. Aww. Oh, I love it. <laughs> that was very romantic. It was. Yeah. It, was Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. it was really tender. I loved that. It was like yeah. brutally tender. It was the perfect one to end on. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I thought my and Brett's were a little bit similar, so I split us up. What, just that they were about love and like carving up your loved ones? Yeah. Yeah, just dastardly moments. We're horror writers and it's Valentine's Day. What can we do besides carve up the ones we love? Ruthanna, tell us about your socials. Where can we find you? Tell us everything about you. You can find me mostly on Twitter at Ruthanna Evans. And I'm also on Facebook, Ruthanna Evans and RuthannaEvans.com. Awesome. Perfect. We will link all of those below. Excellent. Okay. So this has been the Cutthroat Queens podcast. Brett Mitchell Kent has been your host, Chelsea Pumpkins. Woo! And we've been joined by Ruth. I don't know. I'm drunk. Leave me alone. <laughs> this is horrible. I know. Do we want to start? I might, have to, I might have to go back and re record this when I'm a bit more sober, to be honest. I've lost it. I've just lost the plot. All right. Well, then, how about Ruth Anna? Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we hope everybody buys ooze instantly. Um, and enjoys those little bursts of horror. Um, I, for one, am so excited to finish reading it myself. Same. Thank you. All right, cut, cut. Elton. You can do you can do your outro when you're more <laughs> oh sober. God, I'm so sorry. Uh, just to put this in it's perspective, like three o'clock it, in the afternoon where I am. What time is it there? It's half past nine. Where I am. It wasn't right, it wasn't respectable to Shady having it your way Don't look at me like you were responsible Don't try to twist it loose And not for a night Cause I'm walking a spectacle Get the cut, baby, it's a wrap For memories, but the feelings are mutual Cause everybody sees Everyone but me that my valentine turned to smokes and wine as you walked away from me I hope you're happy